you're gonna, we're gonna be going. So you're, uh, it, it, we're using Matthew 24 as a jumping-off spot, so to speak, or actually connecting spot because we read it before a number of weeks ago. And we kind of stopped at this section because it was dealing with the tribulation that was to come. So all I'm going to do is we're going to read this to set up actually looking at that. So we're going to go to a number of different scriptures, and they're not all going to be on the screen because that would just be impossible uh, to have that much up there. Uh, so it's, but it is in, in your Bibles, and I encourage you to make sure you have that. So let's start in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one on the roof of his house go down and take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again in those days if those days had not been cut short no one would survive but for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened let's pray father we ask that you'd help us as we open this word that we open our hearts to hear today the message that you're trying to get across. Help us to recognize that as we cover a number of different things today, that it is not about the information that you're trying to get across. Some things, maybe it'll be something that, that clicks specifically, but help us to see the big picture. Help us to see what lies ahead. Help us to see how we need to respond today to deal with that tomorrow. Move in us, in our hearts, our minds. Help me to speak your words. But beyond that, Lord, uh, we need your help to hear. Not just words, but to hear your heart in this. The Holy Spirit fall upon us, overwhelm us with a word that would cut to the heart. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. There are some people who have thought that the times that we're in, we've talked about this before, and what we've gone through this last year was nothing but trials and troubles. And it's not just about COVID-19, the effects on the economy, the effects on our daily life, how it's disrupted our interaction with others. It's not just about beyond that, the civil unrest, the problems between people, the destruction, the violence, the, the loss of life. I mean, we look at just the general things in the world and it's one thing after another. But as I said before, for some, that's not even the worst of it. For so many, even within our own congregation, they've experienced things in this last year that they've never experienced in their life. Never had to go through, never wanted to go through. Dealing with. For many, they would probably classify this as the worst year ever. Tragedy striking. Thinking it can't get any worse, and then what? One more thing gets piled on. This horrible, no good, terrible 
no good year. Now, please understand, we recognize that God is alive and God has been working in this last year. There are just as many, if we would choose to see it, His sightings, what He's been doing, and I hope next week that we will come prepared to share that with others of how God's been working in our lives. But for many, it's just hard to take this whole year or more than a year has felt like one of great tribulation. Yet if we didn't know it already, what we're going to find out today is, yes, things can get worse. In fact, yes, things will get worse as we talk about the end times. What is going on now and whatever has happened in anyone's life is not even going to come close to the tribulation that is yet to come. The only question is whether we choose to be delivered from this or through this time by Christ as our deliverer or just to let it all fall on us. The, the message this morning entitled, you see, Here Comes Trouble. We're going to look at a preview of coming attractions, although I'm not sure any of us are really going to be attracted to this. You know, this is not something that we necessarily ever want to experience or know or uh, in all of this thing. But as we have read in Matthew chapter 24, uh, you see that there are things, very similar things you're going to see both in the Old Testament, uh, Daniel was mentioned, and see things into the uh, farther into Revelation. Even as verse 21 in Matthew 24 said, for then there will be a great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. There will be a great tribulation, capital T, and it's coming. And there's nothing we can do to stop it, so to speak. In fact, uh, let's look at Zephaniah. In Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14, That great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry of that day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warriors shout his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of distress and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. As we read on into, uh, as we read read on with that, we see what God is is doing. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them from that day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed. He will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. There will be a great tribulation, a day of trouble, a day, a time of trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble, of Jacob's distress, a tribulation where judgment will take place on the Gentile nations and the world because of sin. There will be a time of destruction and desolation, of darkness full of trial and trouble where wrath is poured out. A tribulation will also deal with Israel. It will be a time of testing, refining, fire, uh, of discipline and judgment, just as he's done in the past, except this time with the goal of turning their hearts back to the Messiah. This time, seeing them turn back to him as he talks about in this, this whole tribulation, as he talks about even in Deuteronomy 4. When you are in distress and all these things have come upon you in the latter days, 
you will return to the Lord your God. Now listen to his voice. We see latter-day distress this time was talked about as Jacob's trouble. You see that in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. How awful that day will be. No other will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. This whole tribulation, this is not something that just suddenly came up. God got tired and said, okay, now I'm going to just... This is, has been and always has been the plan. Hopefully we can see how some of these things from that Old Testament sound similar to what Jesus has told us in Matthew 24. Even as we look at Daniel chapter 12 in verse 1, beginning in verse 1 here on the screen. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will rise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. That sound just what Jesus said. There will be a time like that. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. No, at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. There will be a great distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people and everyone found will be rescued. We talk about this tribulation being a time of seven years. And briefly, this is, after all, this is End Times 101, uh, to try to deal with this. But briefly, it goes back to the Old Testament Daniel. Uh, in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, you can check that out. Uh, but I'm not going to get directly into it, but just say it talks about 77s. Or in the 77s of years, 490 years, as we think through that, there is a point in time where there is kind of a cutoff. Of, it says seven sevens and 62 sevens, which is equal to 69 sevens. I know a lot of math this morning, uh, early. All right, the 69 sevens would be of years, then would be equal to 483 years. I just said there was 490. We see, you know, how does all this work? Then there are seven yet years that yet to happen seven years yet and those seven deal out of deal with the tribulation as it says in verse 24 77s are decreed for your people your holy city to finish transgression to put an end to sin to atone for wickedness to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place the tribulation will come from all angles, hitting every part, everyone, the trouble coming from ungodly men. Uh, it will come from ungodly men to demonic forces, to that which deals with the natural world, to those living upon this world. The wrath of God will be poured out. This is the tribulation. So what will take place? Specifically, judgment after judgment, greater and greater, more terrible, more destructive, more horrifying as it goes on. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to have some fun. I hope you kind of stretch this morning a little bit because we're going to run through tribulation. Uh, hey, are you ready? Now, you don't actually have to get up. This is, it's, I'm speaking figuratively uh, this morning, uh, not prophetically, and uh, what has to happen. But the way it works as we think through the tribulation is going from the seven seals, the seven trumpets, to the bowls, all the part of God's day of wrath. 
even as it talks in this next passage here. Turn to Revelation 6. As we stretch out and get ready here, this is where I say, uh, we're going to go through this. I'm going to, it's not going to be up on the screen. It's going to be right in your Bibles. In verse, in chapter 6, verse 1, we begin, And I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals, and then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. Now here's the thing. It, it, it's If you followed and, or listened to those, even if you weren't able to be here, you know, we kind of talked about this as it dealt with rapture and what was happening. And that earlier in chapter 5, the only one worthy to break the seal and open the scroll was the Lamb who was saying, slain, Jesus. All right? The scroll, uh, the seal that's broken, the scroll that's open here contains the judgment of God. Yes, Jesus who uh, uh, some say and only see a Savior is opening the judgment of God, the seals and the, that they're going to bring the judgment of God. But he is also the judge, not just our Savior. He is a judge before whom we will stand one day. It may not seem right. Why is he doing this? But you know what also is not right that you hear people say all the time? Is that evil seems to get away. That, that evil just continues on and some people get away with stuff and that never seems to come down upon them. It, it never, they never seem to get there, so to speak. Guess what? The time is coming. And that is part of this tribulation. The judgment is coming. And... As much as some find it difficult to think of Jesus opening up these, these seals, opening up as rolling out the scroll and the judgment's coming that I'm, we're going to talk about, as much as that seems hard to believe, if he does not, if there is no one to do that, then evil continues to go on forever unchecked. Evil continues to go on without punishment, without being stopped. And so Jesus opens the seals, unrolls the scroll, as more and more judgment takes place. In fact, as we look at these first four seals here, we often refer to them as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So it's giving you the overview. Let's go on to verse 2 in uh, chapter 6 there in Revelation. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. His rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and then another horse came out fiery red one <clears throat> its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other to him was given a large sword there's a sense that the second seal or the if we would say the second rider is undoing any sense of uh, establishment of peace that was forced upon the world from the first rider who tried to kind of conquer things and try to make it this may have something to do with the covenant that's made with the beast or the antichrist but uh, we'll talk about the different ones in the tribulation, the different entities, so to speak, uh, that are a part of the tribulation in part two of this message on the tribulation. Here comes trouble. We're dealing with what's happening, but who is doing it and what's happening will be in that second one two Sundays from now since next Sunday is a special Sunday. Verse 5, 
When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there before me was a black horse. His rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard what sounded like a voice of four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, six pounds of barley for a day's wages. Do not damage the oil and the wine. The third seal here is about famine, possibly as a result of the wars that just took place and the different all over the world and what was going on in that first and second seal. Verse 7, the lamb opened the fourth seal. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and for me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. And they were given power over the fourth of the earth, a fourth of the earth, to kill by sword, famine, plague, and wild beasts of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw the altar of the souls who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. There were more yet to die for their faith. But that there is coming a time when God will avenge those who have been martyred for Christ. Verse 12. I watched, and as he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black with like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. The stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Now, obviously, there are those who will look at these things, what we're going to cover, even what we just read there. We'll look at these things and, and, and see them as allegorical. They're just kind of a story uh, type of thing. Or, or even maybe not quite allegorical, but they think of them as symbolic, representing something else versus literally what it's saying. And, and I'm not saying that some of the more accepted views may or may not that may or may not happen. I just think that our first consideration as we read through the Word of God should be, what does it literally say? You know, obviously when we're thinking through literally, we're, we've talked about this before, is that we keep in mind literary style, we keep in mind grammar, we keep in mind those kind of figures of speech, we keep in mind even uh, oftentimes historical context that took place back then when it was going on. Although in this... There is no historical contest because this is talking about the future. And we don't know when it could be, but there may be things that we're reading here in Revelation and what's going to happen in the end times that we can't understand now. Just like Christians, think about it, 500 years ago, Christians would not be able to understand the things that are happening in 2021. Uh, you know, just take technology in 2021. They would not have that grasp of that. And they wouldn't have a grasp of how what's being said here could be fulfilled even in a literal way at looking at this. But no matter how we see it, you've got to think this is getting serious. Incredible, serious woe is coming down, not just on the earth, but above the earth. Devastation that is just totally wild, never seen before, I can't even imagine this stuff, and those who survive are running for the hills. Verse 15, the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else was slave and free, hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. 
what that's telling us is that there are those who survive those six seals. But they get to the point where they cry out in verse 16, that next verse, they call to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For that great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? I jump to chapter 8 and verse 7. It's kind of a, a, an interlude, if you will, there, and, and things that is being talked about. We go to chapter 8 in Revelation, in verse 1, and he opened the seventh seal, and silence in heaven for about half an hour. It's not just what had happened, the woe of all that had happened and how terrible it was. But it, it, it would seem that as they opened the seventh seal, which really moved us into the trumpets, which opened the, the, the trumpet judgments, the seventh seal opened that, that, that it was, as that seventh seal opened up, everyone shut up. I mean, you think about it, there's worship going on before the throne forever, continually. But this is so, so bad. So heavy. That there was silence in heaven. I would imagine, since we don't hear anyplace else, for the first time ever, Because of the seventh seal, it opens up these next series of judgments. So, we've got in chapter 6, the seal judgments. Then we move on right now in chapter 8 through 11 to the trumpet judgments. Let's look at chapter 8, verse 2 in Revelation. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. The seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer in the prayers of all God's people. And on the golden altar in front of the throne, the smoke of incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, or an earthquake. Now we're getting into the judgments that deal with the trumpets. And let's remember the trumpets back in Israel's day, even going back there, that they were used for so many different things, calling people together for good things like feasts and special times just to go and to meet with the Lord at the tabernacle, times to get ready as a, as a group, get your stuff together, break camp, time to move on. Trumpets were, were, were blown. Trumpets were blown as a warning in those days. In fact, it was blown to head out to war. There was a trumpet blown and the way it was blown. It was, we know, remember the trumpet that was blown as part of the crashing down and destruction of the walls as the army of God marched through. So as we look, not just at this, but as you hear different things, so many are, are, are listening to others about the end times, understand and keep in mind that there are many different trumpets, not just in Revelation, not just about the end times, but there are many different trumpets throughout the word of God that have nothing to do with the end times. And we should be careful not to assume connections that may not be there. So many times you hear some of these, as I've said, these self-proclaimed prophets telling you this is exactly what's going to happen in the end times because here it is in the word and here it is. Well, but those aren't the same. They're not the same. It's like somebody has the same name in the Old Testament as 
Well, the, and, and, and the New Testament, well, they're the same person. They got the same name. I think we kind of know that. It's not true, but we don't always catch it in these other things. To keep, uh, keep in mind these kind of things. Let's go verse 6 <clears throat> in chapter 8. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came a hail and fire mixed with blood. It was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. All the grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, some of the stuff that goes on as we read here in Revelation may remind us of plagues of the Old Testament. Even think about Egypt and Pharaoh and all that. But whatever similarities we may see in the judgments in Revelation, let's be clear that they are nothing close to what has happened before in the Word of God. Rather, this is so much worse. As in, remember from the Old Testament what Jesus says, what has never happened before. Some people try to make those connections. So, well, this is just that happened back in the Old Testament. So this is Revelation really speaking about something that already happened. No, this is about a time of something that has never happened to this magnitude before. Verse 10 in chapter 8. A third angel sounded his trumpet and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters turned bitter. And many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The judgment went from the, the seas, the salt water, to the fresh water. You know, then it, in verse 12, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars. A third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. All right, I, I, just look at that verse that we just read in verse 12. I, again, keep in mind, there are those who are... Not going to see this as literal, but allegorical, or at least symbolic in its application. This whole fourth trumpet judgments. Some might say that what you see there in verse 12, the sun, moon, and stars are not really the sun, moon, and stars, but rather it's about governmental powers and world rulers. And that's what's happening. The government of these are, are symbolic of the rulers, and they're going to turn dark, and what's going to happen in the judgment on, on them and I'm not saying this is end times 101, right? We don't have, let's be honest, there's not clearly, you read that, you don't clearly see that. It doesn't clearly say those words directly. That may be, but we don't know that. I'm not saying it's not possible for it to have a symbolic meaning, but again, what is wrong with taking something literally that may have a literal meaning that can't, you know, and, and the reason some people come up, uh, those who are coming up with these symbolic and allegorical meanings is because, one, number one, they don't take a literal view of the Bible. They believe it's all just stories like Jonah and the whale is just a story. It didn't really happen. So we got those people who are looking at the Bible and interpreting it like this. We got others that just like, storytelling and coming up with inventive things but we have others who just believe that what's written there not that they don't believe what's written there but they don't believe what's written there can actually literally happen well you know i believe that's god's word i believe this is what he says but 
that kind of stuff. I mean, the sun, a third of the sun being struck, a third of the moon and stars turning dark. I mean, how is that even possible? So it must not literally be something that's going to happen. That's the kind of logic that is being used by some interpreting this in the end times. And again, I'm not trying to say that they are completely wrong, but what I'm saying is how can we say in the end times that God, the creator of all these things, as he's pouring out his wrath, can't make a third of the sun go dark? Anything is possible with God, right? So as we read these things and you hear people give interpretation, their quote interpretations, let's move on. Verse 13. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying midair called in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. Now, numbers, uh, trumpets, five, six, and seven are often referred to as the three woes. Uh, it's uh, grief and affliction. It, it's just not good. And so we go to uh, chapter 9 and verse 1. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. He opened the abyss. Smoke rose from it, smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass or the plants or any tree, a plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. That's going to come important as we think through a whole seal and mark and all those kind of things in a couple of weeks. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle on their heads wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like a woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses or chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions, and their tails had power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew, Abaddon, and the Greek, Apollyon, that is the destroyer. As we think about this scene that's just described there, many of us don't even, there's many that don't even like the whole cicada thing. I don't know that I haven't seen it around here, these parts, but it happens, different thing. You know, oh, the plague of cicadas, we can't even stand that. We think that's bad. It's not even close to what's going to happen when we think of plague of locusts. But this is different. This is not touching plant life. Instead, they're coming for those who do not have God's seal on them. Again, there are those who will try to interpret this and say, for example, this not really scorpions. What this is, is a, uh, back in that day, and he wouldn't have understood what he was seeing, but what took place is that this is a vision of attack helicopters. The human face on it would have been the person in the helicopter. And, and it is these attack helicopters, and, and they just, you know, maybe they're a little fancier than what we have today because it's yet to come, but we have the technology, we have the capability and to fulfill this and see these... these uh, these things, this is the, 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 what's going to happen. And you'll have people that will tell you as in the end times and just explain, this is what's going to And we, we, we eat it up sometimes. I mean, people are like, oh, yeah, wow. Wow, that's, that's very interesting. Well, that, that could be. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's it, 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 it. 
Let's keep in mind, speculation is not interpretation. I think in all of this, we need to keep in mind, speculation is not interpretation. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but what I'm saying is, why can't even a literal meaning of this come about? Some kind of what seems to be described here is some kind of form of demonic locust creatures out of the pit of hell. I don't know about you, but I think that sounds even worse than a bunch of attack helicopters. <clears throat> you with me? You know, this is going to be what it's going to be. And there's a whole other horde to come. Verse 12. <clears throat> the first woe is past. The two others' woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet. I heard a voice, four horns of the golden altar. There's before God, the sixth angel had the trumpet. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. Let's just pause for a moment. I hope that we recognize that using the word angel here, it says these four angels. Some people only have the concept that angels are only good. And what are they doing? And as this sounds very evil, but understand that in the rebellion in heaven, a third of the angels went with Satan. They were angels. But the third went there. We may call them demons now, but... To understand, and when we talk about some of these things, the words, obviously, uh, to, to think through um, all of the scripture, putting it together uh, to interpret itself. Let's, verse 17. The horse and the riders I saw in the vision looked like this. Their breastplate were fiery, red, dark blue, and yellow sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions. Out of their mouths came fire, smoke, sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by three plagues of fire, smoke, sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and their tails, and their tails were like snakes having their heads and, and with which they inflicted injury. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. This is so important. Uh, we've gone through all this whole tribulation time, all this stuff that we've just talked about, and they still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping the demons, the idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arcs, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. We go to, verse, or to chapter 10, and it talks about in verse 7, in those days the seventh angel is about to sound the trumpet the mystery of God that will be accomplished and he announced to the servants, the prophets. And, and, and what takes place is just like in the other seventh one kind of precluded right into the trumpets, the, the seals into the trumpets. So this seventh one will take us into the, the bowls. Uh, in chapter 11, uh, the two witnesses is talked about. Again, those are people or those who are involved in it. And that's something to cover in the second part two of this message. But in, in chapter 11, verse 14, the second woe is past, the third woe is coming soon. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever. Down to verse 18, the nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and rewarding your servants, the prophets, your people who revere your name, both great and small. 
and for destroying those who destroy the earth. And so now here comes the bold judgments. And, it, and for some, it, it would say vials, bowl or vials of God's wrath. In chapter 16, you go to make sure you're at chapter 16. And I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go pull out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. And the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land. Ugly, festering sores broke out on people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. We'll talk about that next time. Verse 3, the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of the dead person and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel pulled out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. And then I heard an angel in charge of the waters say, you are just in these judgments, O holy one, for you who are and were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people, your prophets, and you have given blood to drink as they deserve. You're keeping in mind, you know, What's taking place is the water in the sea, water, the fresh water and land, I mean, it has been affected. We need water as humans. We need water to survive. You see what's happening. This person is poisoning the water and what's going on here. Verse 7 of chapter 16. I heard the altar, the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. And they were seared by an intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over the plagues. But here again, they refused to repent and glorify him. Hi, you got the, all of this happened, all these bowls, the sun is just burning the skin off of you. But he still refused to repent. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. And his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony, cursed the God of heaven because of the pains and sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel pulled out his bowl. And the great Euphrates, and the water was dried up to prepare for the kings of the east. And I saw the impure spirits, again, demons and all of this thing, that looked like frogs that came out of the mouths of dragons, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, the demonic spirit that performs signs. They go out with the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. The devil's plan here is getting fulfilled. It is moving forward as the demonic leads humans out into war, as the demonic leads humans to come together into a literal dead end. As you look on down there in verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. And there came flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on the earth. Horrible horror, worse than any horror movies or nightmares. It's clear that why Jesus said in verse 22 in Matthew 24, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. It's not just, in a sense, the judgments, but ultimately it's about here comes the judge. And many Christians would say, yes, I, but as a church, we're going to be delivered from this capital T tribulation. And that's definitely a possibility from... We talked about last week, it may be that we be delivered through 
the tribulation. Either way, we will be delivered just like God could do in Egypt and Goshen, the two different lands and what he was able to do there. It's clear, though, that believers, there will be believers that will go through the tribulation who will be martyred for their faith and some will actually go through it. And to think about what we've just talked about and think about in any way that any believers may be experiencing that and going through that seems like a horrible idea. But we can trust a loving Savior. Just like we trust Him today, we can trust a loving Savior who will walk with us through the fire and through the flood. And whatever happens through the capital T tribulation, the reality is right now and here, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are being martyred for their faith. We think about what's happened. In the last century, more have been martyred for their faith in Christ than all the previous centuries all the way back to when Christ walked this earth. Yet there are those in the American church especially that think trouble is really not going to come our way. We're special. God's going to deliver us. Wait a minute. Or we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture when it, if it's going to get really, really bad, that's got to be the tribulation and then so we're going to get out of here before that. But even if we will not go through the capital T tribulation, it is foolish for us to think that we will not go through a little T tribulation that will not be so little but terrible and terrifying that has happened in the not too distant past in countries where governments have taken over, like in China, and you think about Vietnam, you think about those places, governments took over, systematically hunted down Christians, rooting them out, killing them and their families brutally and destroying churches. Let's not lean on some false assurance that we will be delivered from everything when the Bible tells us trouble is going to come in our life, and that includes persecution with a capital P. That does not mean that God's not going to be with us and that he will not walk with us through that fire and flood, as I said. But let's not think that there may not be discipline coming. As Hebrews 12 talks about what God brings upon his children. Could it be that we as a church, especially the church in America, has some discipline coming our way from God? And if not that, and how about 2 Timothy in chapter one, in chapter 3 in 2 Timothy? Verse 1 begins with this phrase, but realize that in the last days, difficult times will come. And then in verse 12, in that same chapter in 2 Timothy 3, it says this. In fact, I think I've got it up here on the screen. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not, oh, somebody didn't like what I said, or they said a bad word to me. That's not persecution. We talk about what persecution is there. And I know that in some ways this has been a brief overview. End Times 101 is just that. To see the big picture, the troubling picture, to see the time that's coming, the magnitude, the severity... And for us uh, to recognize, you know what, I don't want to have to go through that. I don't want people that I know to have to go through that. It seems really bad, but as bad as it seems, that will not even come close to what will happen. Everlasting punishment in hell. The worst day of tribulation 
would be the best day in hell. Except there are no best days in hell. We recognize that God in all of this, and some still find it hard to reconcile that, well, God is love. Why is he going to bring judgment? Why is this going to happen? But he is holy and he must punish sin. From the very beginning, he's told us this, even Romans 6.23, the penalty of sin is death, but the free gift is eternal life. God is able to do both. He's able to be both both the the holy judge and the, the loving God. By sending Jesus as a sacrifice to take on the full wrath of God on that cross. Jesus experienced not just the tribulation kind of judgment, but the eternal judgment of God for us. All we have to do is accept that. Accept Him. So don't let people blame God Say, well, God's not love. Don't let people blame God just because he's the one bringing this judgment in the end. When he's provided a way out. In Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone comes to the Father, it will be through Jesus. Ask the worship team to come. As we think through this. We have opportunity to choose to follow the path that God has laid out for us. Either follow the path, the walk with Jesus, or we can choose a path that goes through tribulation, eternal separation from God. He is love. He is The one who has made a way of love. I know sometimes it's hard. We just covered all this judgment to think that love. But in his love. He still. Still. Has made that opportunity. For us. His love still is coming through. It's a free gift. It's not something we have to do. To know. His love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us and that despite the scene of tribulation and trouble, despite the scene of your judgment and your wrath, that we know as your people you will deliver us, whether it's from or through, but you will deliver us. But Lord, I I don't know if there's any here today but I know that we know those who do not know you. You want to lean on some excuse that God is love and you're not going to do this. You are going to do this. This is all going to happen that we just talked about. But we don't have to walk that road if we choose to get on the way with you, Jesus. Help us to keep, to grab a hold and to keep a hold of your love. In your name.